I've got one! Hi, I'm Ollie Double. I'm a lecturer in drama at the University of Kent, and this is the Proper Job Gradcast, in which we explore how a degree in drama could lead to all kinds of interesting and exciting careers in the arts. This podcast will be interesting to you if you're thinking of studying drama at Kent, or you're currently studying drama at Kent, or you're just interested in things. In every episode, I interview a Kent drama graduate working in the arts, and this time I'm talking to T.D. Moyo, also known as Tendai, who studied with us for a BA in Drama and English in 2013-16 to and then did an MA in Contemporary Performance the following year, which has now changed into our MA in Theatre Making, in case you're interested. Details on our website. Now, in this episode, Tendai talks about all kinds of interesting stuff in a highly inspiring fashion. And the topics she covers include networking, the importance of networking and building your network. She talks about the particular challenges facing black students and talks about an event that she helped to create called Hashtag My Black Arts while she was at Kent, which was amazing, by the way. And she deals with that interesting topic of people saying no to you when you're looking to become an established artist and, and you know, how you might deal with that. Uh, I think that's all that I need to say by way of introduction. So now over to TD. First question, who are you and when did you graduate? I am TD Moyo. My friends call me Tendai. And I graduated for my master's, right, which, which I did right after my BA in November 2017. Um, so what's your current job and what kind of things does it entail? Like, what do you do? I'd say my current job is to be a South London activist. Wow. And how that looks and how that translates, I suppose, in the working world is I, I direct theatre. But I only direct theatre. I'm only a theatre director or I'm only a director of performance as a result of my community and as a result of what I want to do in the world and uh, what I want to do for my city. It's reactional. My job is, is a complete reaction to that. And, yeah, I direct theatre. I'd say at the minute what I've been doing is, well, since I left Kent, I have been creating performance, I've been writing performance collaboratively um, and, and, and by myself at times. And I've, also di- and I've also been able to do a lot of assisting directing, which is really, really great because it's a way to see the marketplace of the industry and to see how buildings work and how people work and how tours potentially work and how the business runs. Because I, I think the plan is, as an activist, is to take over, is to infiltrate. And so, um, yeah, that's what I do. That is amazing. Yeah. I love it so much. Um, but, I mean, also, I mean, you, you, you've, you've worked for, you know, prestigious arts organisations that people mm. would recognise, right? So... so I'm currently resident director at the Almeida and... Um, I got to have a meeting with Rob. Um, I always say his name a bit funny whenever I get nervous. With Rob Ike, <laughs> not Rob Ike, which I once said, which was really embarrassing. With Rob <laughs> Ike, and um, I assisted him on his recent creation, which was the Doctor, which was absolutely amazing with Juliet Stevens. And um, yeah, so I, I worked with the Almeida. Um, I'm currently set, set to go on tour with them, and go to a stand with them in the next couple of months. I'm currently working for the Royal Court, which is really exciting, and I love the writing that I'm exploring there, and I love just working in that building, um, Headlong Theatre, and a couple of others, and the Barbican, which is a really exciting project that I did last year, with, with where we collaborated with a black performance company called Novi Rish, and just a lot of exciting work in different places. 
So the the Royal Court, the Almeida, the Barbican. This is amazing. Yeah, it's a bit exciting. Yeah, and making really great work. I mean, the Doctor is this this um, thing, West End transfer. I mean, that's a big deal, right? Yeah, it is. It's weird to me because everyone says it is, and then I'm just here like relaxed. I don't. Maybe I'm not taking it in, but um, it is. I think for me, I'm just really happy that people were able to engage to the point where they want to see it for a long period of time. Yeah. Because I do think there's something there for everyone, you know, for white people, for black people, for Asians, for absolutely everybody. And I think there's something there that can really inspire a conversation that I think we need to have. And I, I love the fact that you're an activist. Uh, I love the fact that you don't just want to make art. You want to change the world for the better and it needs changing, right? Yeah, it does. And maybe, I don't know, the world is such a big word. I don't know if I'll get there, but I know I can do South London. <laughs> I, I know I can do that. And if I get beyond that, then, you know, that's amazing. That's gravy, but... Um, but changing that? South London, I mean, that's a big ambition. Yeah, yeah. And a very good one. That's a necessary one. Yeah. 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 Well, so, this podcast is partly about um, how people can go from studying an arts degree, in this case drama at Kent, mm. to going out and doing the kind of work that you're doing. So, how did you get between graduating... Uh, well, initially with your BA to where you are now? So whilst I did my BA, I knew I wanted to be a theatre director. I, I, you know, I, I'd say halfway through, I kind of realised what I wanted to do. I realised I was not going to be Viola Davis. I had no intentions of being on screen or on stage, per se. I wanted to tell the story. And so upon realising that, and then realising I'd also been evicted out of the bubble that is University of Kent and, and outside of Canterbury, I really realised I, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And so, depending on how you take this, perhaps I did a master's because I wasn't sure. Right. Or perhaps I did a master's because I wanted to know more. And I felt I needed to know more if I was going to do this. Sure. Because I knew I was going to change South London and I knew I had big dreams and I knew I had all these big thoughts and I knew I had an idea of how I wanted my theatre to look, but I just didn't feel equipped completely. I knew there was something else here. And so I looked into what they had to offer in terms of postgrad, And... um. I found a degree that I didn't actually know what it was. Right. So by the time it started, I said, oh, I'm paying for this. <laughs> um, and it was contemporary performance practice. And it was absolutely bonkers to me at first because I had never heard of, to me, contemporary performance for South London. Right. But then to everyone else, it meant something else. And I think that's what I really loved about this master's is that I was doing a degree that was so subjective to every single person in the room. And so by the end of that entire year, I was literally changed and I felt amazing and I was so excited to leave. And not because I'd had an awful time, but because I'd had the best time of learning and because I now had an idea of what theatre could be and what I was going to do when I got out. And I think that was the first part of my, transi of my transition, deciding to do a master's, even though I was only 21 and just thinking, why not? Why not? And then by the time I got out, there was that awkward thing, which maybe a lot of creatives can kind of relate to, of not doing anything and trying to figure out, OK, so, so how do I navigate? Because I, I need to make money, but I want to make art. I don't know. I don't really know anyone. I've not lived in London. For me, I hadn't lived in London for four years. For some people, they, they've just moved to London. And so how do I navigate this city? Who, like, well, like, where do I go, literally? And I'd say for me, one thing I've always just been a big believer in is, you, you, you know, is do it. Just do it, literally. Wherever it is, put your mind to it, put your hands to it and just do it. If you sit on your hands, you can't, you can't do anything. You can't even write. There's this um, thing my mum always says to me from church. She always says to me, he who does not work cannot eat. And so for me, it was a big thing to just do it. And so I started creating the performance. I started writing. Well, I, well, I, I wrote with the intention to put on work. 
I went to meetings with the intention to meet one somebody eventually who would take on some work. I went out with the intention to network with people that I could potentially collaborate with to create the work and I just created the work and eventually people started saying, let me give you some money to write that or let me give you a job, I think you should assist me in my room, I see something in you. And you know, it's different for everybody but for me that's where it was. It was doing it and putting myself out there and getting into spaces and saying I'm going to be in this space until I'm the artistic director. And I'm not yet the artistic director of anywhere but I'm not leaving the space until I am. I love that so much. There's a couple of things I wanted to sort of pick up on. Mm. One is, how did you... You say you went to meetings with people, but, I mean, how did that even happen? How did you mm. how did you get to meet with people who could, who could tell you that they were going to give you money to do things? I think the first significant meeting of my theatre journey was at the Lyric Hammersmith 2018 in January. So I, was out of, I had been out of uni for a couple of months. And um, my best friend... I often refer to as my cousin friend, Alicia. She studied here as well. And she really should be on this podcast because she's amazing. Oh, um, that'd be brilliant. Alicia Archie, yeah. She got a job at the Lyric. She got like this job like, like as a young intern or something. And as soon as she got there, she's telling her manager, listen, I know the best writer in London. Her name's Tenda, her name's TD. Well, you, need to, you need to have a meeting. And eventually her meeting, Becky, had a meeting with me. And... um. Just that, even if Becky had never given me a job four months later, because often you go to these meetings and no one's given you anything that day other than the free coffee. And then months later, they're giving you money or they're giving you work, they're giving you something tangible. Um, but even if I had never, even if Becky had never given me a job four months later in her participation um, department, working with young people and directing young people's performance, even if she had never done that, just just having a friend open a door for me meant so much and I think that's how you get those meetings it's, it's, it's literally so collaborative it's so basic it's who's around you and, and, and why aren't we facilitating each other's dreams and yeah she is my best mate so maybe she's biased but no matter where I am in the world I could not imagine not opening a door for a mate who I think is literally dope and then it gets to a point where it's not your mates it's people you don't even know it's strangers I had a woman call me last year and said I want to mentor you do you know what I mean and she'd seen one play we barely knew each other Holly Race Rowan, exec at Headlong. And I'm um, literally from there. She said, who do you want to meet? She Every time I meet her, she says, who do you want to meet? And I, I give her a list and she says, okay, so, so here's what I can do. And she emails them that night. And she says, do you want to meet Tendai? And some people say no. And some people say yes. What's interesting there then is that you're, it's about networking, right? Yeah. Building your network. And you started with somebody you knew at Kent. So it sort of leads back to what you were doing when you were a student. Here. Yeah, yeah. But also I wanted to pick up on the activist thing because I know that you were involved in a thing called Hashtag My Black Arts while you yeah. were here. Can you just tell us a little bit about that? So whilst we were here, I think for me, My Black Arts started like a year and a half before it actually happened. I missed a lecture. And Will Wallen, who's an amazing lecturer here, he sent me an email, which was really blunt. He said, next time you miss one of my lectures, you have to email me in advance and apologise. And I was just like, a lecturer had never said that to me before. You know, you miss a lecture and it's like, yeah, it's a big deal, guys, don't miss lectures. But it's also this thing of like, bloody hell, he cares a lot. Do you know what I mean? And it was just like, oh my God. And then we ended up having a chat a while later, some, you know, a long time after that. And what came out of that chat was that it was really difficult for me to be one of the only black people in the entire course of hundreds of students it was really difficult for me to, to come from this work. And it's not me, you know, playing a race card or playing any of my cards because my cards are valid so I can play them if I like. But um, <laughs> but um, it's not that. It was just me re- just me and him being able to articulate that there was something, to, 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 you know, statistically, 
for students of colour in any department, in a, you know, in any part of academia, to, you know, to thrive? How do you thrive when you are black and you are in an institution that is led and funded by people that don't look like you and the stimulus doesn't look like you and, and everyone around you don't look like you, especially in this department, in the arts, where you think everybody would be? No, it's not like that. And so sometimes even coming to lectures is scary and there's an anxiety. And sometimes doing the courses, you don't have no friends. And how do you talk to them? Because there's this massive culture divide and you think we can talk, but we can't really talk. And so me and Alicia, being two of the only black people in our courses, um, before we left, we said we have to do something before we, you know, it's just something. And um, we had we had chats with Will. I initially wa- wanted to do a TED talk. Will talked to me out, Will talked to me out of it. And we did My Black Arts, which I felt was really necessary. And My Black Arts was just this really dope day where we had people from, you know, across campus, particularly from School of Arts, but also outside School of Arts, people that people that were of colour and, and not of colour, and lecturers and creatives come from outside, just to come and have a chat. I went into workshops, groups, we had massive talks together of networking and just trying to articulate what it really was to be black and to want to do this, to, to want to make art. And so much of art has been white. Yeah, how do we do that? And 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 we're still articulating that, but it was nece- but I think it's so necessary for universities and for any academic kind of institution to to stimulate that conversation because that's how we all get together and that's how we all engage and that's how the art improves. Yeah, I mean, I I know that I learned a lot from that day because yeah. um, it it enabled me to see what what it might look like for, for our black students mm. uh you know and and it made me realize about kind of perhaps unconscious prejudices amongst our white students who would never think of themselves as being racist but yeah. maybe there's something going on there but there's a lot of that yeah. i remember bless him he probably didn't mean it to be mean i had a chat with a student when i was here and he said to me yeah my dad's an engineer i said so is mine my mom's an engineer you know, our parents did the exact same thing. Yeah, but yeah. his response was, but I'm middle class and you're not. Wow. And he probably didn't mean to be as rude and as prejudiced and as racist as it came out. He yeah. did. He probably didn't mean to offend, but his understanding was his understanding mm. because of where he was coming from. And so he could never imagine that I could be anything but. Mm. And um, I only kind of shared that just to put how much of that we have here sure. in any academic space, yeah. in any school, in any department, in any university. And so, and, 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 I, and I say that just to push how important it is. It is important. And one of the things we've been really trying to do in the last couple of years is really diversify the examples shown to students. Mm. So that, um, I mean, I had my first lecture for my stand-up module last week. Yeah. And the first two clips we see are women of colour. That's important. And, and I think it's not fixed, but it's good to feel like you're on the right track. Maybe. Yeah. I think that's really important. But yeah. I suppose again, it's something that you that you're doing now as a creative artist. You're an activist, addressing situations like, for example, racism, you know, through your art. Um, but you were doing that while you were here as yeah. well, making the world a better place. I think that's just me finding my voice. Right. And a part of my voice is that. So, because I mean, is that, you know, the other thing I was going to ask you was what 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 do you think you got from studying drama at Kent that's helped to equip you for what you're doing now? I think for me, it's something that I still kind of explore till today. Yeah. Whenever I go into a room, especially if I'm working for a young cast, and they're like, did you go to drama school? And I'm like, no, I didn't go to Lambda or I went to the University of Kent. I'm bloody proud of that. Do you know what I mean? Um, 
I'm okay with not having gone to one of the, the top drama schools. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not going to Bristol Old Vic. I'm really happy that I went to UKC because um, it afforded me something very personal, something that no other director on this planet can claim to have, and it afforded me my experiences, good and bad. I think to meet Will was really dope for me. To meet a lecturer that was just really into me being... Yeah, me being anything, me being something. Do you know what I mean? I think yeah. that was really important. And um, maybe I could have had that also, but I had it here. And so I think to answer the question, I can't imagine where it would have been like had I not been here. And so I'm grateful for being here because I'm I'm grateful for who I am now. If anything, I just wish I'd been grateful earlier on or I'd wish I'd been more comfortable. I'd wish I'd been bolder earlier on, maybe the first two years. I'm, I don't know, maybe I could have done more. Maybe I could have grown more. But um, I'd say if you are here, really enjoy that. Because there's something to enjoy. Yeah, I mean, the final question, that's fantastic. The final question is, this this podcast is called The Proper Job Gradcast because yeah. it's like people say you can't get a proper job if you're doing mm. drama, right? So what would you say to people who say that doing a drama degree won't lead to a proper job? I would say I've had days where I've said I should have just done something else. <laughs> thousand percent I've had days where i said I should have just done law, man. <laughs> but if this is true to you, you know, this degree and this work or your craft or your passion or your art, you know, it means something to you, something tangible enough to actually want to spend your life doing it or spend a part of your life doing it or the next part of your life doing it, then you have to do it. You owe that to yourself. And the answer to that is yes, there are jobs. Yes, there is a way. Yes, there is a route. And um, it's going to be very different for all of us. For me, it's been getting loads of no's I've gotten so many no's so even if I tell you like I've worked at five theatres please now I've gotten so many no's so when someone said yes to me I nearly bloody cried because it meant the world that someone would have me in their room or that you would give me money to write this play about these black boys from South London so it's but there are so many yeses there yes there are no's but there are so many yeses on top of that and often the right no will change your life get into the room right, well, well, well I already said just do it but get into the room get into spaces if you want to direct theatre, you know, you should be at the theatre. And whether you're working in a bar, you're working in the library, you're in the right building. Just, you know, keep going at it and keep learning whilst you're there. And if you want to work in a gallery, you've got to be in the gallery. There's no point, you know, moping at home if, if you have, you know, sit, sitting on your hands. You have to enter the space and just do it. And so, yeah, there are jobs and there's something for you. So that was T.D. Moyo there, Tendai. What an amazing person. Um, the thing that really kind of will stick with me about that interview is the number of highly quotable lines she comes out with. I've got a load written down here because I just couldn't stop myself writing them down. My current job is to be a South London activist. That's amazing. What an idea. The plan is, as an activist, is to take over, is to infiltrate, she says. I'm not leaving this space until I'm the artistic director. On the question of whether or not she's playing the race card, she says, my cards are valid. I can play them if I like. Absolutely. What a great sentiment. And finally, here's the takeaway I think you should take away from this episode. You have to enter the space and just do it. Words to live by, I think. That's all for this episode. We will be back with another one very, very soon. Got to, got to get a job.